Welcome back, or welcome to, if this is the first episode you've listened to of Passing Dimes. You've picked a good one if this is the first one, because, uh, one, Dallas isn't here, so I'm running the show, and two, we found two great guests here at the OVA Grand Slam, so first of all, thanks to Canada's number one beach crew and Suzanne Wallace from the OVA for giving us a space to record here. Uh, but without further ado, our guests today are the owners and creators of the Beach Volleyball Academy in Port Stanley, Ontario. We'll get into their playing career, but they both dominated the Labatt Tour back in their day, and I'm, I'm sure have some great road stories. Uh, and without further ado, here's Sean Ferdow and Dave Cousins. Welcome, Ooh, guys. All right, thanks, Josh. So, first of all, I'd like to start off by saying it's debatable. First, the best Ontario beach crew resides in <laughs> Toronto. Uh, we take you know tremendous pride in Port Stanley that uh, maybe we'd like a shot at that title. You hit a nerve there with Dave. <laughs> Although we did get Jackson Auden, the London guy, on, on your crew this year, I think. So maybe he can give the the best perspective, or maybe we just need to have a contest. Yeah, uh, that's we're up for it. Anyway. <laughs> are you guys portables out there in Port Stanley? We are. Yes. See, that was that was the argument with Coburg. Their crew always thought like, yeah, you guys set up what like eighty nets in Toronto. Those are posts. We set up seventy portables. You guys yeah. do that in a day. It's like you know you're in the hunt when fair, you start doing fair. stuff like that. Oh yeah. So it's uh it's fun. You get to hang out at the beach though. It's uh, beautiful and swinging the sledgehammer keeps you in shape. Yeah, it beats working for a living, that's for sure. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is <laughs> I know, it's, all, it's actually a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, so let's start there. What is the BVA? Uh, how did you guys start it? Um, what, what's new and exciting? I know you guys are in Port Stanley's home base, but you guys are in a few communities around the area. So uh, take it away. What is it? How did you start it? Well, I think, you know, as Dave and I were winding down playing careers, um, you know, being a couple of proud guys from London, we looked and we noticed that although there's a big volleyball community there, there weren't a lot of kids playing, uh, playing beach. Right. Uh, so we thought, you know, it's a shame. And, and I'm a good example of that. The only reason I really knew about the OVA tour was Dave. He was a couple of years older. He'd been playing on the tour with uh, another local guy, Johnny Hong. Um, and we had some courts in London that were there, and they happened to be right downtown and kind of in the bar area. So it was, you it know, was a great of, vibe. To, it was a great vibe. Perfect vibe to start volleyball. So uh, Richmond Row, that's the Seeps is the main Western campus bar, and they had a beach volleyball court. So we were lucky enough to spend our teenage years playing some volleyball and uh, got invited. You know, we started to think about all our old stories of us entering into the game and getting invited down to Toronto and what a big deal it was to come and play these former Jose Cuervo tournaments and the Labatt Blue, Blue, Blue Tour um, that are no longer around, but it was our wonderful uh, introduction to Ashbridge Bay. So yeah. um, so we thought that was kind of missing, right? And we thought, well, we've gotten so much enjoyment out of it. Let's introduce this to the next crop. And you know, we thought, hey, if we could put together 10 kids and take them down to Port Stanley, that'd be pretty cool. Um, so we, we started with... Uh, we got 20 kids registered our first year, and uh, Sean and I, um, he took 10, I took 10, and that has now blossomed to 450 kids 13 years later, uh, and we have more employee coaches now than we actually did athletes our first year. So it is uh, really come full cycle, and we never once thought of it as a, a business or a project. It was always something we were passionate about that we just wanted kids in the neighborhood to be playing beach volleyball. We are blessed to have a site with Port Stanley, which is one of the most beautiful beaches in Ontario to play volleyball on. It's nice and flat. There's a beach bar. A live band usually plays along the baseline. So we feel quite fortunate to be where we're from. 
Well, and credit to you guys, you mentioned how big your staff's gotten. I've noticed a lot of your staff actually have played in the club before as young athletes, right? Like, they kind of find a way to come back and support what they kind of grew up doing, right? Yeah, we really want to, you know, and we started getting younger. So we started, for a little while, we partnered and had a Timbits program. And we kind of moved that on just to our own version. But so now we've got kids entering at six. But we wanted to think about, you know, who better to coach than kids who have grown up through our program, kind of know how we like to coach and our philosophies and what the sport means to us. So we thought, how could we pump them back into the program and get them to start coaching the younger kids? So, um, and it was also going to be a challenge to our growth is, you know, you need good qualified coaches and you need a bunch of coaches. So we just hit that critical point, I think, where we had enough older kids that we could pump back in, pay them, give them a fun summer job. Um, but we also had the trust established where we knew, we knew them and we knew who they were and we knew their principles as well. Nice. Um, one thing that stood out to me, obviously, being around the OVA Beach Tour for a lot of years, I got to see a lot of your athletes and how a lot of them were reaching like a pretty high level for being newer to beach volleyball because you guys were kind of the first to start it. But uh, what really kind of got my attention was when I went to a, a, a session of you guys, and I, I actually went to a Thursday night session, I noticed you guys walk the line of like high performance, but it's fun. Like it's fun to be at practice every night. I mean, I got to play in the coaches game for a little bit after. Yeah. Like it, it's a good time, but you guys get work done. So how do you guys kind of walk that line of like, difference between being silly and a high performance like we, we've talked about this on our show before you don't have to be serious and not laughing to be high performance but you do have to do work right so how do you guys instill that in your younger coaches and how do you guys kind of leave that for your well club? uh one of the, the it's just your fundamentals we're teaching these kids the proper footwork when you're setting where you're supposed to be and how to adjust the wind and making the wind a skill um all of those things really uh get to your roots of the, them as a player and what we want to do is we want to just give them the fundamentals so that they can take the game and however they want to take that game so if they want to be playing in the pros events up here they have the fundamentals that can make them achieve and succeed if they work hard enough uh, to play on the beaches in Toronto uh, we fundamentally just want to teach people beach culture how to enjoy being out there I've never met a millionaire that's a beach volleyball player so I don't like to uh, coach our children that way we would like to coach them so that they uh, make the beach part of their life lifeline and their bloodline that they enjoy being there and that will transfer down to the next generations and we're starting to see athletes coming out of our program getting NCAA scholarships playing full-time in Toronto that having all of these opportunities that made us who we are um, and they can build it into something else that's great and there's so many great potentially things and experiences that the people uh, have because they have just the basic fundamentals and let's take it where you guys want to take it. So what would you guys credit to your growth because like you said you started with about 20 athletes uh, and is it fair to say you had no club affiliation like there wasn't an indoor team that was like your partner right off the hop right you guys are kind of independent in the London area? We were but you know we're have grown up through the club system in London and, and you know we have good relationships with everyone and we had some very strong support. Um, I, I like to separate the two. I'm sorry to cut you off, Sean. I always like to say, you know, indoor is like checkers, but when you're playing beach volleyball, it's chess. It's played on the same board. It's played completely different. They're two separate games. So I don't care what happens on the indoor. I just want to be focused on the beach. So I say that to the clubs. I'm not a part of your club. I just want to teach beach. Yeah, yeah but they, we've, you know, had... I'd say informal partnerships and, and good support for them. They, uh, for sure, have helped us grow and have been good promoters. Uh, 
of the program, and it's been fun to see in the early years there maybe was a little bit um, reluctance from indoor coaches to, to send to beach, you know, with the different style that we play on the beach. Um, and it's been very cool to see um, the adoption that indoor and support indoor is giving to beach now, saying, hey, actually, this is making our athletes uh, even better for on their indoor teams. Well, definitely. I think even for recent fans of the London area, uh, Pat Johnson and Fanshawe is doing a great job. But when I look up and down that roster, Sebastian Lethbridge came through your club. The Otten brothers came through your club. Like, there's a lot of very good indoor players who actually played beach growing up, right? So it's kind of a credit to what you guys are doing. Um, is there anything that stands out in your mind that, uh, that you would say indoor players should play beach because of this? Like, what are the skills that you think really overlap the best? I mean, I think right off the bat, something that might be overlooked is just the confidence, right? The communication and the confidence. So you're getting so many more uh, contacts. You know, you can't hide in a position. I can't kind of bury you back in the corner. If you're not doing well, you're going to get served. You're going to get picked on. So I think enough of that repetition really teaches some confidence. you got to pull yourself out, dig yourself out of holes. Uh, I, I think when you play beach volleyball, it's an uneven surface, right? You, sometimes you feel your feet are in soup. So you're going to have proper footwork when you leave the beach and proper balance points that are going to make you that much more explosive. Uh, so when you're going indoor, just that connection with understanding where your feet are and those fundamentals transfers unbelievable back to indoor. Um, and again, you're, if everyone's serving you all day, you've got to figure out how to side out every single ball and get points. So the beach, it's the laser focus on the confidence and overcoming the obstacle of the no hiding anywhere. Perfect. Before we get down a wormhole of, of your playing careers, uh, how can people find out about uh, BVA and the Zephyr Beach Volleyball Club? Like, what's your website? What's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Uh, yeah, so beachvolleyballacademy.com is the website, which we will improve over time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning more and more each year of how great our website needs to be in order to, and it changes every year. So, and you guys yeah. on Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, yeah. yeah you can find us Beach Volleyball Academy on uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. Perfect. Uh, we'll put that in our show notes, but uh, I do want to cover your pro stuff. One more thing about your beach club. You guys always have such nice swag. Who's in charge of that? Where does Whoa. that come from? Whoa. Uh, I, my roots, I always like to say I have uh, an undergrad in family business. Uh, my family owns a large t-shirt factory. We're famous for Girl Guides of Canada. Uh, was one of our customers for a long, long time. So I grew up printing t-shirts since I was 12 years old, and at 4 o'clock I was out of there to go play beach volleyball. So uh, each year I don't even have one team color that's ours. I like to do whatever's fashionable. And one of the great things about beach is uh, fashion comes and goes. You'll see that uh, you know neon was really exciting in the 90s, and then it died away forever, and then it came back four or five years ago and I went through the exact same pattern. So I kind of know what's coming next. So I keep an eye on the street. And nice. So it's good that you guys are doing everything in-house. You, you've got a great thing going there. So I, I, thanks for everything. Positive identity sportswear if anyone needs any cool uh, gear. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for that. So let's let's get into it because I'm sure the young athletes today don't really know what you guys have accomplished. So let's let's cover the pro stuff. So Sean, you, you played at Western University. Is that true? Yeah, I played at Western um, for, for a couple of years. Um, you know, I think it was about that point when I was really getting into beach. I think quite frankly, I think a, a summer before that of really getting into beach kind of was the difference to me making that team. Um, but I did play at Western, enjoyed the time there. And, um, yeah. And 
Dave, were you a big indoor guy? Or were you mostly um, you wanted to be on the beach and that's where your passion was? I grew up in a club system playing behind Paul Durden, uh, one of the greatest all-time <laughs> volleyball Canada athletes. So when you go straight from high school to the national team and you're the guy on the bench behind him, by the way, I won the All-Star in the high school All-Star game. Over There's Paul a Durden. fun fact, yes. <laughs> There's a fun fact as well. Um, but... Uh, you get overshadowed by such a great athlete, so let's, I was a really good golfer until I was 15, and then when I realized I was, when I was 15, there's girls in bikinis at the beach, I was like, this is my sport. Nice, <laughs> and with that sport, uh, I hope they admit this, but uh, I'm going to admit it for them. I think you have a big hand in launching the careers of Matty Z and Christian Redmond, uh, two Canadian guys who played a long time internationally, so tell that story. How did you get involved um, with those guys? Well, I, um... I was always kind of the bottom feeder, so I would always get the seventh and losing the quarters or winning the semis or something would happen. So I was, I think, naturally just a coach, and that part kind of came out with me more and more as I started playing. So I enjoyed playing with the newcomers to the game. So uh, Matty Z got uh, part, I played with his first, you know, I basically had to ask his parents if I could take him to Montreal to play a pro event. <laughs> nice. Uh, as a... Polish boy attached to his family, so uh, we got him to Montreal, and from there he blossomed into an unbelievable presence on the beach. Uh, Christian Redman was also a kid that played in some backyards in Barrie, and when you're playing beach volleyball, you get to sleep on people's couches in the Barrie area, or the Toronto area, or the Calgary area. You meet friends, and part of the great part of why we're still involved in sport is those lasting friendships we have with people, and Christian was the kid that would play in the backyard of the people in Barrie, and they're like, he needs a partner, you want to play with him this weekend? So um, I played with Christian Redman in his first professional event as well. Nice, nice, very cool. So what do you guys remember from those times with the Labatt Tour? Was uh, was it as great as everyone says? Like, was the level of competition really, really good? Like, you mentioned the, the community that uh, maybe you go out west and you stay on somebody's couch and then you return the favor when they're in Ontario. Like, kind of walk us through those times because I think a lot of people have heard of it, but they didn't get to experience it. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. It was it was really well done. It, the competition was good, but the the culture around it. I mean, it was a it was almost like a summer job that you had, and I think almost every province hosted uh, had a tournament. Um, you know, it forces you to get out of your own city and go, and you know, make it a weekend. Uh, there was a beer tent. There was announcers. There was. TV coverage uh, for a lot of the events. There was a lot of interest in all these communities. Like, I think Wasaga Beach would look forward to it every year. And all these different locations. And you'd walk around with your player pass around your neck, and you felt like you were really someone, you know. And uh, it, you know, you couldn't wait for the weekend to get on the road, usually with your best buds, and scrape up enough money to go to these places and call around on the phone to see if your buddies will let you sleep on their couches. Um, but it just it ingrained in who we were as people, and it blossomed into something crazy today. So looking back, what were some of your favorite communities to visit? Like, do you have a, a favorite spot? Uh, other than the local one, I guess Grand Bend would be dear to your heart, but uh, maybe Rapotany in Quebec or something out west. Is there any like, <laughs> yeah. spots that stand out? I, I mean, Rapotany was... Uh... I think the highlight of the year. Yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the uh, the last weekend uh, in July every year. You looked forward to it all year. You stayed at this, you know, motel that was, you know. My brother was getting married on that weekend, and I told him I can't 
go because I want to go to Rapunzel. <laughs> That's how big yeah. it is, right? <laughs> yeah, I was dating a girl for a couple of years, and her sister got married, and I declined that. I mean, that was ultimately at the end of that uh, relationship. <laughs> but me won over. Rapunzel was yeah. worth it, and uh, you know, we're still friends with these people today with social media the way it is, and you still know what's going on in these people's lives that were the kings of Montreal, and they show you a good time there and. You know, when they were down in our community, we made sure we hosted them as well. And, uh, you know, getting to meet people that are the same as you in different communities, it's attaches you. It's beautiful. I remember, uh, so it was a, quite a generous uh, beer tent, let's say. And I remember, uh, you know, after getting eliminated, you'd go up there and it overlooked the court. So it was a great way to watch uh, the next games. And I remember looking down there and Dave had been eliminated. And Ford, I think, was one of the sponsors, and there was a Mustang or something on the court. And there you look down, and they've got the, the hose to water down the courts and timeouts, and there's Dave, like, putting on a show, washing washing the Ford car. <laughs> <laughs> somehow he had a motorcycle helmet on his head, <laughs> shirts off, and he's lying on the hood washing this car. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh... That, that speaks to the great community and, and almost the part the party atmosphere. Who do you remember playing against? Like, who were some of the tough competitors? Like David E. Mark and John stories, or Daddy battles against each other? Like, what was like a, a tough match for you guys, or like a rivalry on that that tour? I mean, thankfully we didn't have to cross against them very often at all. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, so that was a good thing. Uh, uh, one of my favorite stories is I go from uh, playing at the local bar court in London, and I'm. Uh, probably 21 years old and I saved up enough money printing t-shirts uh, that I was able to afford to go play to the van open and I was so excited found a place to stay and uh, showed up for my first game and I had peace and child in my first game and they skyballed me to death and I had never even seen a skyball at that point in my career I'm still infatuated with it today probably because <laughs> of that experience but um, it's unbelievable to you know, you have to just work hard and pay your entrance fee and have enough money to do these things, and it's the best gamble in your life. And uh, then you get to meet this great community of players. And I'm 45 years old, and I still see them on the beach today and remind them of that nice. skyball that you sent me. You know? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that today. Like, you know, you, Mike Griffin is a guy that we played against a lot, and there he is out coaching this weekend. Uh, you know, his daughter. And, Rob Fernley, we saw their coaching. You know, he's done a great job of coaching um, and running clubs, but coaching his kids. And uh, you know, it's fun to where it comes for full circle, and you can share these stories and jump right back into you know 2000 or 1999. And but you can see the next generation as well. So, in your mind, having gone through it and still being involved big time in, in the volleyball community, is the biggest thing missing a sponsor, or is there any way the community can bring that back? Like a Everyone always just dictates that, oh, you need sponsors, you need money. But, you know, if I'm a sponsor and you ask me for $100,000, there better be some return on investment coming back, right? So is there another avenue we could be looking into that could bring back this pro circuit idea? I mean, you know, I think one thing that, that's opened my eyes, and it even happened to us this year, is, uh, you know, McCarty Vacuum. So the London vacuum company that's been around for 100 years. The, the owner is a one of the parents as part of our program, and he kind of said, hey, look, I get asked all the time for little sponsorships here and there. I'd prefer to sponsor something that's passionate, that I'm passionate about, that my kid's involved in. And, you know, we kind of overlooked that. In fact, we overlooked that uh, all the time. 
Um, you know, and they gave us a nice donation for, for some of our prizing. So I think, you know, maybe we're overlooking our own community uh, for sponsorships. And I think there's probably something there where you can piece together uh, some good prize money or, uh, you know, out of our own community. Frankly, it's I, I believe it's going to be one individual that's willing to risk it all to follow a passion project. Um, you hear about money going into the AVP because a billionaire guy wants to do these things and um, yes it'd be great to have that but it's not going to stop the game the game continually evolves and uh, we just need to hang our hat on how great the players are like I can't believe people aren't out here watching this game because it's amazing and has the best athletes and everyone's so friendly we sit under the bleachers with the the new people and they're just willing to tell us stories about what's going on with their world and we're so interested in finding out what, what's going on when you're traveling with your friend across because those are the, the stories that have uh, kept our partnership and business and friendship for 30 years here. So Definitely, yeah. I think you know, we do overlook the community. I think you and I yeah. talked about this yesterday. We don't yeah. need Coca-Cola or Red Bull yeah. to come in and give us a bunch of money. There's probably uh, a past player or a parent or somebody who wants to be involved, but we don't really go that way. And I think... yeah. To touch on your point, Dave, there's great volleyball going on right now, but how many people told their friends or their family or, or advertising? I think everybody thinks volleyball needs to be on TV, but uh, if we would just kind of tell our own community, there should be a bunch of club kids watching this, right? Like, there should be just a way how to get people involved. How many people love volleyball? Let, yeah. Let's, let's get it out here. That, that like Let's just get when people start showing up at these things, then the corporate people will come. Yes, absolutely. Right? So let's just, amateur sports, let's just come down to the beach and have a day at the beach. It's delightful and you get to watch these guys do amazing thing and the women are diving all over the place. It's crazy awesome to watch. Yeah, I think back, if I think back to the Labatt Tour, I think they've done a good job. They had uh, like um, a program and you had like the top 20 players and you could be like, here's who Marquise is or John Child or Dave Holmes or Aaron Cadu and you know, as a young guy coming up, you're looking at these and you're saying, how could I be like these guys? And I want to see these people play. And, you know, maybe maybe we've got to pump our tires a little bit better. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like you said, everybody's inclusive. Like uh, yesterday, Dallas and I interviewed Brandy Wilkerson, arguably the best player in the world. It was just like, hey, do you have time for a podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, what do you guys need? And that's that's the best player in the world. And we're just see her on the boardwalk, right? Like they're they're not hands-off people where they're just going to dismiss a kid if they walk up and start a conversation, right? Like, we got a great story from that yesterday. So we had uh, a number of uh, teams here. There were 13 you and a number of female teams. And, and it's their first tournament ever and their first exposure to Toronto volleyball. And yeah, which can be intimidating, yeah, right? Yeah. From, uh, you know, not being from Toronto, not being in the sport too long. And um, Dave's done a good job of kind of explaining who the players are and who to follow on Instagram and this sort of thing. And... We actually have one of the teams, our twins. Uh, so Dave's been talking a lot about the McNamara twins. And so these girls reached out, I think, over Instagram. The girls were kind enough to reply. And long story short, they took a photo with a bunch of the girls. They brought UCLA, UCLA Bruins swag. And, like, what, you know, like to awesome. our 13 year girls. These kids That's are, awesome. like, on cloud nine. Like, what a moment. But it's a sport like that. There's stories like that all over the place. It's very fan-friendly. And you know these kids that are passionate on the beach, you have to like tell them to go home at the end of the night because they want to continue to play. Dad, can we stay a little bit longer? And these are the kids getting to meet their stars and they're going to play the game now for 15 more years because they love it so much. That, that's amazing. So yeah, thank you to Megan and Nicole for doing that. But uh, 
they're obviously great ambassadors for the sport, but I'm willing that any any player is really willing to do that. So just yes. take your shot sometimes and yes. give a message. And yeah. yeah, great. Thanks for doing that, uh, Magna Cole. So with you guys, uh, obviously long playing career, a couple guys who like to have fun. Uh, can you share any stories from the road that you guys have experienced, either from uh, your professional days, your bat tour days, or even what you've seen from like uh, your youth athletes kind of growing up into adults? I'm sure you've seen it all from every angle. Uh, can you give us a story here? Well, we'll start easy. We've got to be careful here, Josh. Um, but I'll tell you one that nipped us in the butt last year was 20 years ago, 21 years ago, we won provincials. And on that ride home, we said, we're going to play in the 10-year, we're going to play in the 20-year anniversary, and we're going to do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we looked at the calendar last year, and we said, oh, shoot, you know, it's 2018, this is the 20-year, we're going to do this. Uh <laughs> So we had to jump in the deep end, yeah. and uh, my wife is a fitness coach in London, so I did a ton of boot camps in order to get ready, and uh, we went to Dallas to play the over 40 U.S. indoor championships, um, and then we hit the sand running and uh, played in the workup adults, and we ended up winning the first tournament, and then our demise happened at Provincial. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we were so proud. I don't think we embarrassed ourselves. We didn't. uh, We didn't win a lot. uh, So, yeah, I just, you know, I reflect upon, there's been so many stories, the power outages over North America, the eastern seaboard. I was going to pick up Anton Hauser, downtown Toronto, and I got to drive down Young Street uh, with a power outage, and you could look up and see the stars. So I'll always remember driving to Virginia Beach down Young Street, looking up at the stars and my buddies with the excitement of heading to Virginia Beach and playing a tournament there. So little things that, that volleyball does is brings your friends together and you just have a great time. That's amazing because I don't know how many people can say they've experienced that on Young Street, seeing the stars. You might be one of the few, right? Exactly. Like speak on that, how so. many people can, can say that? So, But, you know, we've, we've, we've hit the roads and we've, uh, you know, worked real hard in the the, the tournaments and then worked real hard at the parties, uh, <laughs> found places to stay. Uh, you know, we even, uh, our friend that may have fallen asleep on the beach, we tied a kite to him and found our way back to him at three in the morning because we could see the kite down the beach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, there he is. We got a place to stay. Here we go. You know, so and, like, what are the chances that he would happen to, let's call it pass out right at the time where we see a kite just dangling <laughs> down the beach. Yeah. Let's just you guys being great friends, right? Because yeah. you knew you had to go find a place to stay, but you weren't going to leave them behind, right? So By the way, I found the key to that hotel the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the motel. The motel, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, actually, you bringing up the anniversary for Provincials reminds me of one more thing. I know you guys got to get back out there coaching, but I, I do have one more question. Uh, you guys are big on like the history of the sport, and you guys will award the athletes with a plaque, and you guys will put it on the post, and it'll live there forever in Port Stanley. That's true, right? Can you give me some more details on how that came to be? Uh, we've, uh, you know, Manhattan Pier in California always does that since the 1960s, and we said, you know, any kid that wins a provincial championship, we want to get their name on a pole or a keepsake that they can return to later in their life and look fondly upon the beach culture and being at the beach and the connection to the beach. Um, so that was one thing we started early in our club. And uh, it, it, yeah, we made a bit of a ceremony. So the next summer we'd bring them in and, you know, their parents would come and the whole club would be around and we'd 
get it up there on the pool, which was, uh, I think, a fun moment for those kids. Another very fun tradition that we have, we read a book one time that talked about the best paddlers in the world, and they're from Hawaii because they do it with their parents. Uh, we also have a hilarious, fun tournament that is the Family Day Tournament. So child plays with parent. Uh, everyone looks across the net and tries to strategize against what's going on in the other team. During that tournament, uh, child just is trying to impress their dad or their mom, and their mom is just trying to stand up by the not end of the cramp. tournament and not, not cramp. Um, so we're starting to see our friends that were players and now showing up with an 11-year-old, uh, and it really comes full circle that they're trying to you know, get their kids to love the beach as much as they did. That's awesome. Uh, we had that idea once at the OVA, and, and somebody shot it down, but I'll never forget Jason Japani, the, the technical director at the time. He's like, you know, I don't know why you guys are shooting the sound. The older the athlete is, the older the parent is, or vice versa, right? So it's actually pretty fair for a, a young mom or dad to be playing with their, their little kid because yeah. the teenager playing with their dad, you're right, is just trying to stand up by the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. We had a former Timo uh, Youth Open national champion, Brittany Sestrick. Um, her mother has seen more volleyball than anyone in <laughs> every indoor club practice she's there in her chair every beach tournament always there rain windy nice days she's always there hot and she played her first ever tournament this year so watching shelly beautiful platform <laughs> needs to work on her mobility a little bit. uh but she was out there you know giving it her all and having a fun time with her daughter it was awesome you guys really do a great job getting the community involved. So there's the plaque, there's the parent uh, and kid tournament, and you guys used to run a play with the pros. Is that right? Can we get the, <laughs> yeah. the community going? I, I mean, credit. I stole that idea from you, by the way. The beach blast ones are. I, I've been helping out Josh Gluskin with that, but the idea came from you guys. For anyone listening, well, we. Um, I mean, it started honestly as a bit of a fundraiser for us, and you know, Spikes Indoor Beach Volleyball in London uh, was the venue, and uh, you know we. Basically, the concept The was, fundraiser for us, we lost money every Yeah, we lost, it actually backfired. <laughs> so then it quickly became, which was more important, a way to get your 14 closest beach buddies together for one weekend. We had this great rate going with the hotel. We got these crazy rooms. Um, so it just became a big party, really. Uh, so we like to make sure that the pros know their pros and make them shine because a lot of times mm -hmm. they... You know, they're not getting paid money and they should be superstars if they're in any other sport. We'd be lucky to be even talking to them. So we made sure they got a nice hotel room. Uh, all the money from registration went towards the bar as well. And then we invited all of our, you know, again, play hard in the tournament, play hard at the party. And uh, we'd gather in the morning to have breakfast and have some good stories and laugh. Well, you, you want to see a fun moment is when... so. Um, the way that it worked is however you finished in the tournament, you always got to play with one pro. Yeah. So there'd be a t a three players and you get one pro. And then depending how you finished, eighth would pick first. So there, you would literally line up all the pros, just like the old high school days. And then they would pick, and some pros wouldn't make it. Cause we'd have Christian Raymond did not get picked for the playoffs one year. And, yeah. he and he's was, got a top ten at a world championship, was, ladies was, and gentlemen. He was fifth in world championship buff. That's the season before, and he didn't get selected that play with the pros. Yeah, yeah. So he heard about that. Still hears about that. Uh, but Tough crowd. You ask, you ask some of these guys, and they, you know, they'll talk about achievements and if they want to play with the pros. Is yeah, one of them. Yeah. Jamie Broder, Maverick Hatch, Tame Shaw, Matty Zdrzewski, 
Uh, ben Stock, Christian Redman, they would all come down. Aaron Cadu would come down and play as well. Um, Although the legend of the, the London play with the pros is always Kevin Ben. Yes, Kevin Ben. Uh, many stories to Because he wins the that. after party? Is that why he's yes. the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh boy, Bender. Prime Peter's piece of real estate over here, boys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, it, it was it was such a lovely time. But we did it for uh, 11 years, maybe 10 years, sorry. And uh, it, it was time to, you know, it went from going and having a big party to people bringing their children as pros now and moving on to their career and their lives. And, you know, to see what they've done in Vancouver with that event, and now it's happening in Toronto as well. Uh, we're super glad that someone has taken the reins on this, and they're creating a great charity for the West Coast, uh, Vancouver, the, I think, Webco? Uh, Weco Bevo, yeah. Ben Saxton was on. If you guys want to learn more about that, uh, it's a not-for-profit now. They've earned that They've status, done an amazing so, yeah. job, and it's, it's amazing to hear they're, you know, buying indoor golf bubbles to try to blow those up to put beach courts under someday or something. You know, it's it's great. So, and what you're doing in Toronto. Well, yeah, credit for you guys for the idea because what I'm seeing is, yeah, the big thing to me is the pros feel like pros. But the other thing is we have so many great people who come down to the beach and they might play fours or sixes, but they don't know what's going on. Like, I always yeah. give the example of Sidney Crosby walks into a Wee hockey tournament, he's going to get mobbed. Where Megan and Nicole are in the bleachers right now watching the Grand Slam and nobody's really asking them questions. And these guys are NCAA champions. Yeah. They've won medals at youth events. They're going to go to world championships. Like, this is, like, the, yeah. one of the Big best teams we've got. Big friggin' deal. Yeah. Big friggin' And there's, deal. there's kids who play volleyball and love volleyball walking by them not even thinking, like, hey, do I know that person? They have no clue the status of these Because those kids right? have their own game faces on. They're yeah. here for their own reason. They're here to have that passion and play volleyball. So that's a test to our community. But anyone out there who's listening, come down. Like, it's so cool. I think we just need to do a better job connecting the community because the community is pretty yeah. big. We just need to connect it's the youth huge. kids who already love the sport to the top players, right? So yeah. growing the game is, is a great concept, but if we just connect, connect excuse me, all the great things we already have, I think we're going to be leaps and bounds ahead where we are today, yeah, right? So You see those 20-year-olds, you know, local business, local, 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 and that's where everyone hangs out. Like, come down here. It's local people doing their thing, and it's amazing to watch. Awesome. Well, I think I've taken enough of your time, unless you guys have anything else you want to get out to the masses here. No, thanks to you, Josh, for, for this opportunity, but you've been a good supporter of ours uh, over the years, and uh, the OVA has been in, in Volleyball Canada to a certain degree, and uh, yeah, just thanks for helping put us on the map uh, uh, in southwestern Ontario. And thanks, Josh, for promoting the game. You've did an amazing job as the beach director well, during our time. We were so thankful. You were so quick with the emails, re responding to everyone, and you're still passionate about the game, and you're still trying to spread the game you know, with this format, and you're doing an amazing job. So thank you. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, we'll definitely have to get Dallas out to Port Stanley so we can see it and see all the great things you guys are doing. But uh, until then, thanks for all the youth you've got introduced to our sport. And if you see these guys on the beach, don't be afraid to say hi because they will they will talk your ear off with passion for our sport and answer any questions you guys have. So thanks again, guys. Thank thanks, you. Josh. Awesome. Thanks again to Sean Furneaux and Dave Cousins for taking the time out of their busy coaching schedule at the OVA Grand Slam to uh, record an episode with us. Once again, special thanks to the OVA Beach crew and Suzanne Wallace from the OVA for letting us use their space to record. If any other beach crews in Canada want to make a case for being Canada's number one beach crew, feel free to send us a message or leave a comment. I do have a soft spot for the OV Beach crew and everything they do, but we will listen to any other contenders. 
this is the first episode you're listening to, feel free to check out our previous episodes that have some great athletes in our sport. If you haven't paid attention to Canadian volleyball right now, we have Aaron Nossbaum was a guest on the show. Him and Mike Mantinga just qualified to represent Canada at the Pan Am Games. TJ Sanders and the men's indoor team have just finished up their VNL schedule. Unfortunately, they didn't qualify for top six, but look forward to another qualifying. Autumn Bailey and the women's national team have just won the Challenger Cup and have qualified for VNL for next year. And if you're paying attention to Beach World Championships, feel free to check out our previous episodes with Brandy Wilkerson and super best friend of the show, Ben Saxton. Congratulations to the Nunglong Volleyball Club who just won the Canada Day nine-man tournament here in Toronto. That is a three-peat for the boys. We just had Wesley Kwong, a 16-year vet of the club, on the show explaining the great sport of nine-man. So if you need to learn more, that's a great episode for everyone to check out. If you're enjoying the content we're creating, the best compliment you can give the show is a five-star review or just tell one friend and help spread the message of passing times. Thanks, friends, and stay excellent.